0: Well, welcome to our Wednesday night equip. And if this is your first time, we want, we'd want we like to extend a special welcome. So we'd like to thank all those that this is their first time here on Wednesday night. Yay! Welcome them. Oh, come on. You guys can do better than that. It's like... <laughs> there you go, Rob. There you go. It's like first day of school. So we got to get excited at when people come to know the Lord. So we're continuing in our... Uh, In our scripture, Hebrews 13.8, and we've we've been putting this to memory, and Hebrews 13.8 is that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that's part of why we're here tonight and what we're talking about. And and everything that He does, uh, we're going to see that reflection of Him throughout the Bible, throughout uh, our relationship with Him. And if we can remember that He always existed, then it'll help us to understand Christ better. And we want to get to know Christ better. We want to get to know Him and study Him so that we can love Him as He should be loved. Sometimes we'll learn about Christ but never get to know Christ. That's where the relationship comes in. Many people know about Christ but not have a relationship with Him. And that's the difference with Christianity, is we want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So get your Bibles ready, and you can take out your notes also. And in the back is the Scripture that we're memorizing together. And we're just taking bits and pieces every week, so we're not going to be doing the whole thing. In fact, we're going to read till about uh, verse 13, and that should be where the fullness of Christ is. And some of you will bring your same notes from last week so that you can continue on. And that's fine, because on the inside we left it blank so that you could just jot down some notes on what God is speaking to you. And some, maybe some uh, encouraging words that God may speak on our Wednesday nights. So we're going to recite and uh, say this scripture together, okay? But we're going to stand as they did when they read the Word of God in the book of Nehemiah. So we're going to stand together together. And you can read your notes. If you've memorized it by now, that's awesome. But if you haven't, you can read it, okay? I might need some help to go back and forth because I'm trying to practice too. Okay? So we're going to read it. Ready? Go. And he himself gave some to be prophets, some... Oh! Time out! Go again! Go again! (laughs) I was so concentrating on Heidi that I forgot where I was. No, 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 no! No, not that she's, I was, I, look, she's beautiful. I get lost in her eyes. Okay, so, here we go. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That—that's good. Just keep going. We can stop. We—we we just go halfway. So, if you want to read the whole thing, great. Um, I mean, if you want to memorize the whole thing, good. So. Let's, next week, we'll, we'll try to memorize all the way up until half of 14, okay? So that would be about the doctrine, uh, wind of doctrine. That's the end of the half of verse 14, okay? Let's pray, and then we'll get into the Word of God more. Lord, thank you so much for this night. We pray that as we speak your Word, that our hearts would be open to what you have for us. It's your Spirit, Lord, that is uh, going to breathe life into us, and it's, it's all about you tonight. And in everything that we do, we want to glorify you, especially with this life that you've given to us, that we would live it in such a way that people would see our good works and then glorify you in heaven. Equip us tonight, Lord, to do the work of ministry. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said amen. You may have a seat. So next week we'll tackle half of verse 14. So open your Bibles to John chapter 1. It's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Those are the Gospels. And they call it the Synoptic Gospels because they, they see from a certain perspective and they're eyewitnesses on what took place uh, when Jesus was here on this earth and then when he resurrected. But in the book of John, uh, chapter 1, we've been going through it and seeing what was John's primary focus in writing this book. And we're exploring five different subjects as the weeks go by. And right now we're in talking about his position over all creation. And then in the upcoming weeks, we'll talk about His power to create all things. And then His providence in controlling all things. And then we'll talk about His presence in Old Testament times. And then His preeminence over all things. And so out of the entire Bible, there's over 183 times that the word believe is in there. And 35% of them are found in the book of John. So what was John's primary goal in writing his book? so that we would believe in Jesus Christ. That's why the book of John really explains that Jesus is the Son of God. He's, he explains His deity, that He is all God and all man. And so we want to look at what John is trying to come across or what he's trying to do in explaining to us why we should believe in Jesus Christ. And that's his position over all creation. Last week we talked about Two different lives that God breathes into us, and he breathed into man. Remember when he formed Adam? He formed him from the dust, but our spirits aren't formed. It's God breathed. So he breathed into us the breath of lives. Remember what the two lives were? Physical and spiritual. Those are the two lives. and we know that Adam, when he, he and Eve disobeyed God, they didn't die uh, didn't die physically. But they died spiritually. And that's what God meant when He said, if you, when you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. And they didn't really understand that. The devil came along and he kind of tricked them and twisted the words around. But God breathed life into man, and man became a living being. And that's why we can be physically alive, but spiritually dead. And the question is, am I spiritually alive? Am I alive and well spiritually? Now, every person has a physical life and a spiritual life. And this is what our lives will be challenged with. And in the first chapter in the book of John, uh, verse 10, we'll read verses 10 and 11. And it says that he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Then it says this, he came unto his own, which he's referring to uh, to the Jews, the Jewish people, he came unto his own and his own received him not now this is where his 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 position over all creation kind of picks up he continues in verse 12 it says but as many as received him to them gave he power which means the power of choice or the power of authority the power to rule to become the sons of god even to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, the Bible is talking about this power that comes from God. It's not from anywhere else. This power to choose, the power to speak words, the power to speak life. It comes from God. It doesn't come from man. So it's, a, it's not a man-made thing when we speak the words of God. It's a spiritual thing that takes place. So when we speak God's word, it breathes life into people. That's why the Bible says to dwell on the good things. What we dwell on is what we're going to speak. What we think about is what we're going to be. Every tree is judged by its fruit. Remember the Bible says that a good tree cannot produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit? Yeah, that's the Spirit of God. If the Spirit of God is in us, then it's going to bear good fruit because we're speaking the words of God. It's His Spirit that comes out. And that's His position over all creation. And although we have the power to choose many times, we don't use that power. know, we don't use the power of God's Word when we speak to people. Sometimes our flesh is attached to it, so we'll say things that we want to say. You know, sometimes someone will uh, maybe push the wrong buttons or, or your anger will stir up. And the, the power of God is not used, the power of the flesh is used. And then we snap or we, you know, um, get into a fight of some kind. And, and we use words that hurt people. We use words that put down. But God is saying, I, I've given you words that you may give life. And that's the power of God's word. When we choose and this power that he's given to us, uh, most of the times we, we won't recognize that it's his power in us. Or we won't be able to recognize how to use that power. We'll just make choices based of based out of what we've learned when we grew up, or maybe a past experience, or maybe from someone else. And so what actually happens is, instead of us making a choice by the power of God, we make choices by the power of multiple choice. That's what we do. We look at all of our options and we say, okay, which one can I get away with? Or which one will serve me better? And without even, we really don't think about it, because it happens in a microsecond. It's what, what, what would be best for me. And so we have like a multiple choice word chart that we go through. Instead of saying, Lord, what are you saying? What is the power of your word? Because that's what I want to do. I want to operate under the power of your words. Otherwise, we develop all these multiple choices and so we never move in life. We keep making same choices but different kinds of ways. And we find ourselves in the same place and we never grow how god wants us to grow but as many as received him to them he gave power and that power to choose you now it's interesting in 1950 they did a study that for 14 year olds and for 14 year olds in 1950 they knew about 25,000 words in their vocabulary they used 25,000 words not a day, it's just in their, you know, in their life they know 25,000 words. Compared to a study in 1999 where 14-year-olds knew about 10,000 words. That was their vocabulary. And they, they attribute that to video. Because when video came on the scene and when television came on the scene, kids read less and less as the years went by. And so it is today. A lot of kids don't read books anymore. Even though we may have electronic gadgets, they may not read it. They go on a thing called YouTube. Because YouTube is a lot easier. Instead of reading a full book, they'll look for the movie and watch the movie. But a lot of teachers are trying to get kids back to reading books. Why? Because our vocabulary becomes so limited. And God is the Word. He's the one who's, who's given us the Word. And so if we're limited in the Word of God, imagine when we speak. Now, if our vocabulary, and I think with adults today, it's on average between thirty and 60,000 words. That's, that's on average that we know. Now, if we only know so many regular words, I wonder how much of a percentage is God's Word. How much of that is God's Spirit inside of us, that He breathes into us? Or when we speak words, it's just words out of our own flesh. He's the Word. He's the one that gives us the power to give words. So my question that I want to ask us tonight is, do my words reflect that Jesus has position over my life? When I speak to people and and how I talk, do my words reflect... That Jesus has positioned over my life. Now, I, to balance this out, I know that, you know, when we try to reach out to people, uh, there's words that they may not understand. But if we are living it, then our lifestyle will speak what we, what they cannot understand. You know, if we're if we're saying Christian words all the time. Uh, and I'll give you an example. Uh, sometimes, and it's not a bad thing, okay? It's just sometimes it's a habit of us, of ours, and sometimes we'll say, oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And we understand what that means. We're giving glory to God. We're, we're, we're saying we're praising God's name because maybe uh, someone was healed or we received some blessing of some sort. And so we say, oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And But non-Christians may not understand that. But if my lifestyle reflects that, of Jesus Christ and His position over my life, then I may not necessarily say those words, but I'll be living it. And now with social media, even that sometimes will kind of go back and forth and, and, uh, and see if we're representing the Lord or if we're not representing the Lord. And so be very cautious on that too. People know we're Christians and so even through social media, you may rant on that online and, and, and let it get out there. And then afterwards, you feel like, oh, I feel so much better. But that went out. And now people are reading it. And now you're thinking, oh, great. Now I have to change. And this. You See, if we have God's Word in us, and if He's living in us, then the words that come out of us will be giving out life rather than our own vocabulary. And that's where the flesh takes over. If his position is over my life, then his spirit should take over. And that's how powerful he is. Because there's a big difference between making choices and then the power to choose. If we're going to say words or our actions, it's a big difference. Uh, Let's say, just say, for instance, you're taking a test in school. Now, I loved it when we had multiple choice. I'm sure you did too true and false, you know, 50% chance you're going to get it. Multiple choice. If you had four, then maybe 25%, you might get it correct. And so if you did not study, you loved multiple choice and true and false. But for those who did study, now they're not choosing by accident or they're not making choices through multiple choice. They're making choices by the power of their mind. They can fly right through it. Why? Because they know the truth. And they know everything else that is false. That's what the Bible means when it says, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Because everything else, everything that is false or of the devil, that grips us and imprisons us. But once we know the truth, then we can see all the other choices and say, but that's not of God, so I can make my choices. Why? Because God's words says so. He told me so. It's found in His Word. And so most of the time we run into problems because we tend to make choices in life using the multiple-choice scenario. And if we're in a almost like in a pit of some kind, or we're trying to dig our way out of a terrible uh, situation, then now our multiple choices are limited. We only have so many choices to make out of all of that. But if I continue to make choices based on God's Word, now the choices that I make are by the power of His Word. No longer by multiple choice or whatever seems best. It's by the power of God. And here's the good news. He helps us along the way because He is the Word. Because He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So now we follow Christ because He always existed. There's not a thing that goes by that Christ doesn't know of. He knows everything. He knows what history uh, ha- has has been done. He knows uh, the mistakes that mankind has made. That's why John brings us back to the power of God and how we need to come to the full knowledge of the Son of God because we need His power when making deep spiritual choices as well as making righteous decisions. Otherwise... We'll make multiple-choice decisions, and in time, we develop a multiple-choice decision chart of various words for the next time. So this, I, I think you'll catch this scenario. Sometimes we'll fall into a situation or we need to make a decision, and then we think, Okay, what did I do last time? Or, boy, I went down this road before... What did I learn? Or what could I have learned? Or we'll call someone and we'll say, Here's what I'm dealing with. What do you think? Now that's okay. Because maybe we're trying to get advice. But the Bible says if we lack wisdom, we must go to God first. See, God's Word is unlimited. It's eternal. So when He speaks something to us of eternity then the decisions we make today has ramifications in this life and the next. When we make decisions today of the world, it can only have a temporary fix. And sometimes we're trying to do a temporary fix for something that's really eternal. And we mix that up, and after a while, we don't know where we are in life. But the good news is we can always come back to the Word of God, because He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's only if He has a position over my life. And so I wonder, does my life reflect that Jesus has position over my life? Sometimes we'll use words like, uh, you know, I make this decision because I deserve it. I made this choice because it makes me feel good. Or sometimes we blame other people and we use this choice. It wasn't my fault, so too bad. Or we say, if He changed first, then... I'll change. Or we say, oh, if she changed first, then I'll change. Sometimes we use the words, it's unfair. And so we do whatever we want to do because we want fairness. Or sometimes we say, well, that's just the way I am. Or we say it from another perspective. We'll say, ah, that's okay, let him go. That's just the way he is. Even as a Christian, we say those things. We'll say, ah, that's just how they are. Sometimes we'll make choices and say the words, well, if she was a better leader, or if he was a better leader, then I would, and we fill, fill that in. Sometimes we'll say, I thought they were supposed to be a Christian. I thought they were this. I thought they were that. And we use those words almost like a multiple choice to make our decisions in the way we think. And God is saying, you're, you're opposite. You've got to go back to me and my word. Otherwise, you'll be imprisoned by multiple choice that are not of me. And all the other choices. It says, narrow is the gate that leads to righteousness. It's very narrow. But the ways of the world, broad. Much to choose from. Sometimes when we keep going in that direction, then we become our own word rather than His word. And we'll say, well, whatever I say goes. Or we say that to ourselves. Too bad. This is my life. I'm going to choose whatever I want to do. And it's interesting. We'll even bring that into relationships. Have you ever been in a a relationship or even in a fight of some sort where you're trying to change the other person but it just doesn't work? Because what we're saying is, this is my thing. And so we become our own word. But that's not how God created us. And then at this point, he is no longer in position over us. Not because he doesn't have position over all creation, but I never position my heart under his authoritative word. That's how important it is to be in the word of God. And if we're not in the word of God, what are we under? What authority are we under? We've got to be under the authoritative Word of God. And then John continues, and he reiterates verse 1 by saying in verse 14, and if you're in that scripture, verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Just like how John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word. John is bringing us back to the place where he's talking about the Word of God. And that Greek word is Logos. That's what the word means, and it's used in English all the time. If you're, if you're studying old things, you know, it's called archaeology, archaic, you know, study of old things. If you're studying the life of Christ, it's Christology. There's the word logos in it, because you're, it's the word. You're studying whatever the subject matter is. And so the word, this logos, became flesh, The Word of God became flesh. And in verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now some translations will say that the Word was made flesh. And the Greek word, and I want to give this to us tonight, is kinomai. And that word means to become. It's, it's to come into existence. That's what it's talking about. It means a change of condition. And when this word is used, it assumes a previous state. In other words, when it says that the word became flesh, that means before there was flesh, there was something else referring to Jesus Christ. Before Jesus Christ was in the flesh, He was something else. Well, what was He before He became flesh? Well, the Bible says that God is spirit. He is a spirit. That's why Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. His pre-existence before He became flesh is found in that scripture right there. That the Word became flesh. So here's a thought. Is my present condition in Jesus, my present condition in Jesus, different than my past condition without Him? Is my present life in Jesus different than my past life without Him. Because that should give us an indication where my relationship is with Jesus. It's not to condemn. It's more to encourage. What did Jesus do in my life? Now you might think, boy, I have a lot of old stuff, old baggage still from my old life. Really? Find one that is good instead of looking at all the negative things. Because that's what we tend to do. Instead of saying, boy, I, I, I still have the same kind of lifestyle. Look back and say, okay, but here's some things that God did in my life. And then focus on that. Because when that seed grows, then it will choke out all the other bad weeds that come up. We just focus on what God is doing, not what He isn't. Because usually what God isn't doing, I'm trying to do. But when I when I have his when I'm positioned under him then now I can be released and be free from all the things that I try to do Now I understand that the word became flesh and dwelt among us That means he's with me because he's the same yesterday today and forever And so develop that relationship with him Don't feel like you can't Always remember that he's with us we just have to align ourselves with Him. Now, here's where the danger comes in. When we kind of make our own word, or we develop a almost like a self... Uh, I don't want to say we, we become our own so-called God, but we almost worship ourselves. Now, everything we do is, is for us. And not all the time. Sometimes we'll do things for the Lord but it 's that flesh part of us that wants it our way and how we want things done uh, some time ago, uh, my Heidi would be making the bed and you know putting the, the sheets and, and all of that on and, and uh, put the pillows on and I tell her I said, "Heidi, you know it takes like a long time uh, it's, i mean you 're going to go sleep in it anyway. Why make it <laughs> right For some of you are thinking, no, you make your bed." So, just a poll, just a quick one. How many of you agree that your bed, you're going to use it so no sense make? Raise your hand. Come on, just be honest, please. I just want to see. How many of you think, no, you should make a bed. Make it nice. Make it nice. Wow. Yeah, Heidi's raising her hand. So, so we went through that, and that was early on in our, in our marriage, and, and uh, but she still makes it nice today. And, what was i talking about oh and as we're as are as we're making it nice and and as we're we're making it good it, it's it's the way she likes it it's how she wants it done it's it's in a certain way and i need to adjust to that rather than saying but that's not my way that's not my style when god has it a certain way who am i to say but that's not my style he knows what's best for us. And so no sense grumble with him. So I've done fighting with Heidi with that. And so I, I, I try to help her every now and then. In fact, there was a season that I, I, I made the bed all the time, but it's boring. So I have to make it interesting. So I usually made different scenes. Like I'll change the pillows around and there are stuffed animals, so she would have to come home and guess you know, what they're doing. And so... <laughs> Sometimes we'd have like three judges, and then uh, we'd have one doll here, and she'd come home, and she'd say, American Idol. And I say, Yeah. <laughs> I'd make the, you know, the, the, the pillow kind of barrel, and then put the monkey under there, and, and so it would be surfing or bodyboarding. And I thought, if we're able to be creative in life, and if God is asking us to do something for Him, why can't we be creative for God? If you ask us to read the Word and we're saying, Oh, boy, I don't want to open up the Bible. Just figure out a way to do that. Figure out a way to get into the Word of God. Figure these things out. Even coming to church, sometimes that's a hard thing to do because Sunday morning is a difficult time to get up. Maybe you, we stay up late Saturday night. Just figure out a way. Get motivated. And, and, and the greatest motivation should be because God said so. That should be the greatest motivation. It should be because He said so and because we love Him. Love is the greatest motivator. And so, in verse 1, as it says, "The, the Word was with God and the Word was God, it doesn't say that the Word was God, that He became God. It says that the Word was with God. And it's speaking of Jesus Christ. Because if the Word became flesh, talking about Jesus... Ginomai, to become. That means there was a pre-existence. He was spirit before he became flesh. Now he became flesh. Now it's saying that he was always with God. That means to be nearby. That he was near God. Or with regard to. So he he was with God. And the two are one, but separate. Which shows a strong relationship. Just like marriage. The two are one. When Heidi has, you know, a dessert to eat, and someone says, that's for Heidi, I said, but the two are one, so we share. So I love that scripture. (laughs) The Bible says the Word became flesh, which tells us that He was in existence long before He became flesh, and that He was not flesh before He became flesh. He was Spirit. John 4, 24, it says, God is Spirit, And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. He is spirit. And He becomes flesh. And He is described as being the Word or the revelation of God. If you catch anything tonight, catch this. Jesus Christ is the revelation of the Almighty God. And that's so important Because if our relationship with Jesus Christ is in such a way that we understand the importance, the value, then we'll understand what it means that Jesus Christ was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that should empower us to be all He created us to be. Position your lives under His authority, under His Word. And when we do that, we'll see His power be made manifested or manifest itself through us or be made known through us. And no matter what we say and do, in everything we put our hands to, the power of God will be made known. Amen? Amen. Amen. we'll continue next week and, and keep going. let's pray as we as we conclude tonight let's pray together let's bow our heads shall we lord jesus we thank you for being the revelation of god we thank you for showing us that it's possible for us to live a life that reflects that you have position over our lives, that we can live a life that's pleasing to you. And the whole idea behind it is not so that we are people who are better than others, but that we would be in a position that would draw people closer to you, that one day they might recognize you as Lord and Savior, and then as the body of Christ, Lord, that we would all stand together side by side supporting one another, uplifting one another, edifying one another. Because you're the one who has given us these different gifts and have equipped us to do the work of ministry. We're all ministers unto you, Lord. And I pray for this evening that that would seal our hearts with the word of God. In your name we pray and we all said amen. Can we thank the Lord Jesus Christ tonight?